Are the New York Mets in the driver's seat to trade Justin Verlander to the Los Angeles Dodgers for an absolute haul of prospects? I'm going to break it all down on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the biggest story right now surrounding the Mets and the trade deadline is what will they do with Justin Verlander? I believe there's only one team that they can trade him to where the prospect return will be worth it. And that's the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I believe these two teams are in a game of chicken. I'm going to explain why throughout the show in the first segment. Get into the circumstances surrounding Verlander, why the Mets would still consider dealing him, or why they might hold on to him. Second segment, we'll get into the Dodgers and why they might have a package that would interest the Mets, and why they might be interested in the Mets eating a lot of money on this deal, how that could be valuable to them in their pursuit of Shohei Otani. And we'll close on whether this trade's going to happen in the final segment. Before we get to any of that, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Well, the Mets won a series this weekend, taking three of four from the Washington Nationals, and yet we don't even have time to talk about any of those games because it's all about the trade deadline right now. And the Mets win this series in the final game, thanks in part to Justin Verlander, who gives up one run, over five and a third. Uh, He exits the game to a standing ovation from the fans, which he said after the game, he appreciated an impressor where he was delving into this situation he's in leading up to the trade deadline and whether he will waive his no trade clause, whether he wants to stay with the Mets, all of that is being discussed. And that ovation felt like the precursor to something. It felt like a guy potentially walking off the mound in a Mets uniform for the last time yet. It also could have been appreciation that leads to his next start, uh, whenever that is in front of a, a city field crowd, again being met by a raucous ovation because he's staying. And the Mets are trying to win in 2024. This can go any which way. And I feel like I am changing my mind on it by the hour, by the minute. You know, I, earlier today, when the Max Scherzer news is fresh, and I'm thinking about the Mets trying to win in 2024, and I hear Billy Upler's comments. I believe that Verlander is more likely to stay than go. Then you think about the position the Mets are in and the market and the team they couldn't be negotiating with right now. And that is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you wonder, is this the move you make to actually build a sustainable winner? All the talk right now is about, Hey, bringing in prospects to help the future. Uh, you know, taking the money, as Billy Upler mentioned in his uh, meeting with the media today, repurposing Steve Cohen's investment from the team into the organization. That is the primary goal right now. That's why you eat all that money on Max Scherzer's deal, so that you get a prospect in Luis and Hale Acuna, who could be the starting second baseman next year, and who has a great prospect value as a guy who's raking in double A 
who instantly becomes, if not your best prospect, your second best prospect in this organization. I think Pipeline had him number two behind Kevin Parada. You can make an argument he should be number one, and I'm sure some publications will have him at number one. So that's why you make that move. But trading Verlander is different than Scherzer because Verlander's pitching well. He's got an ear rate well under two in his last seven starts. He has been great lately. And he's coming off a year where he won a Cy Young pitch to a 175 ERA, and he's looked a lot closer to that guy lately after starting the season on the IL and getting off to a little bit of a bumpy go at the beginning. So a team who's trading for Justin Verlander has to pay a much higher premium when it comes to prospects that they could give up. And this is leading to what I believe is a great game of chicken between the Mets and the Dodgers. And I want to get into that here. So Verlander, he basically admits after the game that he's open to waiving his no trade clause. If the Mets are not viewing 2024 as a season where they can contend, it's a very fair answer. I think he was great speaking to the media. I thought uh, of the players, you know, to see Verlander's comments, Francisco Lindor's comments were fantastic showing that he has, it's a guy that's on a long-term deal, full confidence in the organization, and he's behind them every step of the way. A guy like Pete Alonso doesn't have that same security. He's just left perplexed, and also you know, Pete's going to speak from his mind and his heart a little bit more than Lindor, who maybe can be a little more rational about what he says in front of the media, really thinks about it a little more because he's also more of a veteran. But Verlander, speaking on the situation about the trade for Max Scherzer, says it did change a lot for him because – Max Scherzer on the Mets in 2024 is a clear indication you're trying to win the World Series. But when you trade him, it leaves that to interpretation. He mentioned a lot of areas of gray right now, trying to decipher what's going on. And when he's presented with facts, he can make his decision. So ergo, when there's a trade package in front of the Mets that they're willing to accept from the Dodgers potentially, and it's now up to Verlander to work on his side of things, he could make that decision for himself if he'd rather go play for the Dodgers or the Mets in that scenario. So I think this comes squarely on the package. And the two teams linked to Verlander are the Astros and the Dodgers. Well, the Astros don't have the capital in prospects. They don't have one of the best farm systems in the game like the Dodgers. It doesn't make sense unless it was strictly a salary dump and the Mets aren't trying to dump this salary. It'd be one thing if it was someone eating all of Max Scherzer's contract who hasn't pitched as well this year. But for Verlander, look, this is a team that's still going to try to win next year. But the question is, are they better off trying to win next year with Verlander or maybe getting two to three prospects for Verlander that could help them next year, but also help them for the next five to six years and be more sustainable. And Epler, in a way, sort of set the stage for that by speaking about expectations, saying, hey, the Mets might not have the same high World Series odds going into the season next year. They might not be the team that wins the offseason, but they're going to still be competitive with the product that they like, which could mean getting younger and taking some more risk going into a year as far as, hey, we got a top pitching prospect that's going to slot into our rotation that could, if everything breaks right, really help us, or instead of, I should say, going with the established veteran on the $43 million contract. So, Here's some reporting that just, again, leads to this game of chicken we're talking about. So, Andy Martino of SNY, one of the things that he reported is that Houston sources say that the Astros called the Mets on Verlander Sunday, but the sides were nowhere close to value. So, basically, in a way, ruling the Astros out, one of the potential landing spots. Here's another thing he says. Martino 
says that industry belief is that a trade won't happen because, quote, teams expecting the type of salary relief that the Mets gave the Texas Rangers for Max Scherzer, approximately $35 million, are finding that the Mets are valuing Verlander differently. Trading partners wanting cash in a Verlander trade are finding the prospect ask much higher. Now, again, this goes back to repurposing. The Mets, if they trade Verlander, they don't want to just trade his salary and get rid of him. Like they don't want to just say, hey, Dodgers, take on this deal. We don't want them. Give us one prospect back. No, what they're saying is we want to eat money and make this a really valuable contract to you, but we want that value returned to us and repurposed to us in the form of prospects. So then you get to the other report that is getting a ton of circulation right now. And honestly, I think it's a little bit overblown because if you actually read the article at The Athletic, I know it's behind a paywall, but this quoted section was a link to another article on their Dodgers uh, coverage on The Athletic. So it was a link to a Dodgers, an old Dodgers story, I might add, about their interest in Verlander. So not necessarily something that I would buy too much in, but the fact that it's getting circulated, the fact that it comes from Ken Rosenthal, it could be something from the Dodgers camp. And it basically says this, quote, the buzz around the Dodgers and Verlander among scouts is growing louder. That was the big buzz uh, you know, sentence that was all over social media right now. Now, Here's where this gets interesting, right? I mean, all of it's interesting, but here's where I find a lot of juicy details within the margins on this, you know, reading between the lines. This is a team in the Dodgers who technically, of course, could absorb this salary, but they're not in position to do that based on their pursuit of Shohei Otani. So because of that, this becomes a trade that has a lot of legs, in my opinion, because they would love Verlander in their rotation and love him at a discount financially. On top of that, this is a team that has prospects to trade and pitching prospects to trade that could slot to the Mets rotation as soon as right now. And they have a depth of prospects in their system where the Mets could get one Acuna-type arm plus other prospects to fill out a larger package. The question is, can the Mets set their bar high enough where the trade's worth it to them instead of keeping Verlander for next year and also 2025 potentially with the vesting option? Can they set that bar high enough and then can the Dodgers meet that bar? And that's the big game of chicken. We're in, That's what I want to discuss a little bit more in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit a home run to over-under on the strikeouts. There's a lot of ways that you can find value at FanDuel all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball.
Now, the Los Angeles Dodgers are the perfect trade partner for the Mets because they have great pitching prospects. If you think about the Mets' future with their rotation, there's not a lot of certainty. You got Kodai Senga, great contract, five-year, $75 million deal. He's got to opt that after year three, though. So you know the next two years you got him for sure, but you might have to renegotiate a longer-term deal beyond that, okay? David Peterson, Tyler McGill, what do you really feel about them long-term at this point? Mike Vassell is a great pitching prospect. Um, he's really you know, leaped up this year among the eyes of a lot of scouts. That said, he hasn't fared too well in AAA so far, and there's no guarantees here. And he doesn't really project to be a front-of-the-rotation arm. Blade Tidwell could be that guy, and he just got the call up to AA, but you still don't know. Christian Scott's been faring very well in AA. He might be able to uh, assert himself in a Mets rotation sooner than we think. Still not a guarantee. This trade has to net the Mets an arm that you can pencil into the rotation for the next six years, barring injury. And the Dodgers have two guys that fit that billing, guys that have been up to the big leagues this year that have shown great stuff in the minor leagues. You got Emmett Sheehan, who's part of their rotation right now. Just went five scoreless, I believe, against the Reds this weekend. Gavin Stone put up a ridiculous season last year. Uh, where he pitched to a sub-2 ERA in every stop. I believe he started in high A, ended up in triple A. This year, numbers haven't been great, but he made it up to the big leagues and he has good stuff, and obviously the Mets would be very interested. These are two guys that rank in the top six prospects in the Dodgers system, according to MLB.com. If I'm the Mets, I'm not making this trade unless I get one of them. And if the Dodgers say, we'll pass, you move on from it. I think they would be amenable to trading one. I don't think you're getting two. Although if you're the Mets, you probably ask for two right now and see what happens. But they have other prospects that can fill out a trade. Landon Knack, a 26-year-old who's pitching to a 2.59 ERA in AAA. River Ryan, a 2.96 ERA in AA. And many more pitching prospects that are somewhat close that could fill out a package. They also got position players. So the Mets could get a great arm and then collect a couple more guys here uh, in a really, really deep Dodger system that will inevitably slot much higher in the Mets system. So the farm lines up. The question is, what are the Dodgers willing to give up from their farm in this trade? How much are they willing to invest in Justin Verlander? Well, they were willing to invest $80 million in Justin Verlander for a two-year deal. That's the value they put on signing him in the offseason. The Mets, they trumped him with $86.6 million over two years with the vesting 30-year option, which could be the big holdup in this deal. That vesting option might scare the Dodgers a bit. And also, you could see a situation similar yet different to Scherzer, where Scherzer needed to guarantee that player option to waive his no-trade clause, maybe Verlander can get rid of that vesting part of the option. Who knows? Because getting rid of that vesting part of the option and guaranteeing the deal might allow the Mets. I'm not exactly sure about this one, so don't get mad if I'm wrong here. But I, I do believe if they're able to rework the contract and then trade it, the Mets might be able to eat some on the third year as well. Now, I'm not positive about that, but here's where the cash part is interesting with the Dodgers. What do you think their payroll is going to next season right now? Would you be shocked to learn that of guaranteed contracts, contracts that will be on the books, excluding arbitration, excluding club options, it's only $78.7 million. 
It's Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman that take up a lot of that. There's Chris Taylor. Then there's smaller contracts in Miguel Rojas, Austin Barnes, and Tony Gonsolin. Now, obviously, club options, arbitration, that's going to push it up. But they are well below the luxury tax threshold. And they're clearly setting themselves up to make a push for Shohei Otani. If they add $43 million in the books for Verlander, that's going to be a lot more difficult for them to be able to make all the money work. So saving a ton of money on Verlander to get him for this year and to get him for next year, that's going to be of a ton of value to the Dodgers right now. And also there is this second threshold of the luxury tax that they are not over yet. Right now they're only sitting $5 million over the, the threshold, the first threshold. And in all of the trades basically that they just made, which did bump them over, I believe, um, you know, cause they took on money on Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, but all these deals were eaten down. The White Sox ate down a lot of Lynn and Kelly. The Guardians ate down a Med Rosario's salary a good amount. Now, the Dodgers, I think, still retained some salary on Syndergaard, but still, it was an interesting trade in that regard. Kike Hernandez, you know, the guy that could have got cut by the Red Sox, they ate down a lot of that salary in the, in the trade. So, I do think this is a team that's more concerned about money than they typically have been, where that is a big leverage point. So the question now becomes, how much do the Dodgers value the opportunity to add Justin Verlander to this rotation? And when you look at what they are heading towards this year and next year, and where the Mets are, this trade starts to make more and more sense, where originally I thought probably not happening, so now I'm right back to a coin flip, if not 60-40 the other way. It's just about it. They meet the Mets demands. And that's what I want to close on in a minute here. Why they would meet those steep demands. We'll get to that first, though. Another word from our sponsors. Why would the Dodgers make this trade? Well, if you look at their deadline strategy, they've added a lot of guys who come in as just reclamation project types. But they also were in the market for Nolan Arenado before the Cardinals seemed to pull him off the, the block. So they clearly value that upper echelon talent. And you look at their current rotations, Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, a guy that I think the Mets could be targeting in this trade if it were to happen. And Lance Lynn, the guy they just added, who has not pitched well this year. They're hoping to get Clayton Kershaw back soon. And if everything breaks right, they might be able to get Walker Bueller back in September. So maybe their playoff rotation is Urias, Kershaw, Bobby Miller, Bueller. Not a bad four, but there's a lot of ifs in that. There's the if on Kershaw being healthy. The fact that Bobby Miller is a rookie. There's Walker Bueller coming back from Tommy John way earlier than most people would have projected. If you don't get Bueller back, suddenly it's Urias, Kershaw. Man, that rotation, trusting a rookie starter and then what? Gonsolin? Or is it one of the other young guys? Verlander slotting in and making it a Verlander, Urias, Kershaw, Miller rotation with Bueller as a wild card. That's a team that can win a World Series this year and a team you pay a premium on prospects to 
set up. And then you think about next year, are they going to pay Julio Urias the bag? Because I'd make the argument that he's probably the top starting pitcher on this market. When you combine age and value he could bring to a franchise, I think he is. I think it's him over Snell. Even though Snell's pitched better, I think Urias is the guy that people want to invest in more long-term. So are they going to go there? Now Shohei is obviously Shohei, a class of his own, and maybe that's where they're thinking. But even with that, let's say they land Shohei. Well, you can go into next season if you make this trade with a rotation of Shohei, Verlander, Kershaw, assuming Kershaw comes back. Another question mark. Now you could also argue the other side of it. Hey, maybe they want to keep their pitching depth in the minor leagues because there's so many questions. It's a really interesting negotiation that's going to take place here. And one that might just be too complicated for a deal to to come to fruition. But it's a big game of chicken. It really is. One last note. The Mets saving money on the Scherzer trade. I tweeted it out. It's interesting. Um, The math's a little wonky. I looked back and I read the article and I almost felt like they did it wrong because at one point they're mentioning how the Rangers are assuming $6 million in salary. Um, for this year on 15 to Scherzer, the Mets paying nine. And then they said the Mets saved 9 million in salary and 8 million in luxury tax. I feel like they did that math wrong. And I'm not the math uh, wizard here anyway, but it feels like if the Rangers are paying $6 million, the Mets would save 6 million, not 9 million. Regardless, if they actually did their fact checking and they're right about this, the bottom line numbers were that the Mets are saving $24 million this year with the Robertson and Scherzer trade. When you factor in salary saved, the Marlins took on the, the Robertson money, which I think was around three and a half million Rangers. If it's 6 million, that's nine and a half. And then the luxury tax implications of that, which is where, again, I think they might've done the math wrong. And then $35 million next year with the money that the Mets are saving on Scherzer. I think they said something like, this is off the top of my head, so I apologize. I think it's like 16 and a half um, that the Rangers are paying, so then the Mets are covering the difference there. Uh, so I, I don't know if those numbers check out entirely, but the bottom line is every dollar the Mets save, it's almost like saving two because the luxury tax implications are so severe against them. So that's something to think about as well, that if the Mets were to eat $35 million again, so let's just say, the Dodgers want to uh, mostly avoid, I don't know how the breakdown, but let's just say the Dodgers want to pay Verlander you know, $8 million. They want to cover half this year and save a boatload next year. And so the Mets are going to need a ton of money next season, but they're going to get this prospect haul back. Well, they're going to save money on the luxury tax on both ends of it, and they could and they will, knowing Steve Cohen, reinvest that money into future payroll. So we'll see. Lastly, I, I think I already said lastly, but I do want to, to land the plan on this one last point when it comes to what I think should happen here. I think I'm torn until I see a trade package. As a fan, the fan side of me says, just keep Verlander. You want the Mets to not be horrible down the stretch, and Verlander helps just the Mets baseball to be palatable over the last couple of months, but you also want an ace next year. And if Verlander is as good as he's been lately and he can do that next season and potentially do that again in 2025, the value he's going to provide this franchise over the next two and a half years potentially is more than you can expect from any prospect return. Because you can't guarantee that Emmett Sheehan 
is going to be an ace. That said, if you got a, a pitching prospect who will slot into your rotation after the deadline, and now you're getting to watch an exciting guy take starts every fifth days, you're like, oh, man, this guy could be a future ace for us, potentially. And you get to see another guy, potentially, in AAA, another arm that could slot in next year and be a back-end starter for you. And maybe you get a position player on top of that. Maybe you get an outfielder or something. And there's a complete package that has been traded where the Mets set the bar astronomically high. And the Dodgers, with the position they were in, decide, you know what? We're going to cash in prospect hits because we have an incredible farm and we're just going to build it right back up even when we sell it. And the Mets can make that type of a trade that can really be a huge mover for their farm system. Take a farm system that just graduated a lot of talent and was going to go from, hey, they had one of the best farm systems in baseball going into this year because they had Alvarez and Beatty and Sanga was considered a prospect by some publications, all that stuff. And then they graduated those guys and now it's about to go down. If they can shoot back up in one trade and then they can figure out 2024 and 2024, you'd have to take the rational approach and look at it from a long-term view and say, as a Mets fan, over the next five to 10 years, these trades are going to set this franchise up for enough future success that it'll all be worth it. Yet, even with that, it will be a massively tough pill to swallow to go from a week ago having Scherzer and Verlander in your rotation to having a rotation headlined by Kodai Senga and David Peterson. Obviously, Quintana would probably be in that mix too, but at that point, you might as well trade him too. Regardless, a lot can still happen. Going to be a fun next 48 hours with this trade deadline. For all you everydayers, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss anything. Subscribe on YouTube. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast this week, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.